Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Season 2 of The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. The Court Report comes to you every Sunday night at 7 p.m., as well as an encore presentation on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. right here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com. Every week, we will take a look back and a look ahead at all things the Yeshiva League. Had a game this week? Let us know. Friend me on Facebook. Uh, send me a message. My name is Elliot Weiselberg, W-E-I-S-E-L-B-E-R-G. Or like the Court Report fan page. Or do both. You can also follow me and tweet me on Twitter. My name is YLS Wise Guy. That's Y-L-S-W-E-I-S-G-U-Y. Because if I don't know about it, we can't talk about it right here. Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, coach, official, analyst, but most of all, like you, I am a huge Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share the amazing efforts and accomplishments of these kids each and every week with you right here on The Court Report. If you have a smartphone and haven't downloaded the NSN app already, please do so. You'll have access to all of last season's episodes of The Court Report. Plus, you'll also be able to send in comments for each show. Please do me a favor, keep the comments nice. Uh, Much like the show is not about me criticizing, degrading, or disrespecting players or coaches, please be courteous enough to follow suit and not post anything of such on on the, uh, the comment board. On today's show, we're going to recap the first week of varsity and JV hockey season, where four games were played. Uh, five, if you include the Flatbush varsity hockey game with Ramaz that should be wrapping up right about now, uh, which is where I happen to be. Uh, did I just give away that this episode is recorded? I, I guess I did. So, there's going to be no update of this game on the air, but if I get home in time, I'm going to be sure to post the score on the comment board for all to see. We're also going to have an interview with Flatbush JV and varsity head coach and basketball guru Avi Bornstein. Coach Bornstein is going to walk us through the 2014-2015 JV and varsity basketball season preview. After that, we're going to recap the first varsity basketball games of the year that occurred this Thursday with a scoring performance that has set the bar extremely high to kick off the young season. Before we start off the action, I want to announce once again that this season, The Court Report is looking to become a show not only about you, but including you. We are looking for a team of kids to become part of The Court Report and help break down the weekly action. If you're interested, please contact me. We're especially looking for JV and varsity basketball reporters. So if you have a passion for either Yeshiva basketball or broadcasting, please reach out to me ASAP. Unfortunately, the schedules for the leagues have not been released publicly yet. So for the first few shows, I'm going to be relying on the information that you, the coaches, the fans, the athletes provide me to report on the show. I'm hoping that I can depend on the great coaches and athletes of the Yeshiva League and parents to aid in the making of this show so that you all, the fans, can be aware of the complete action until the schedule gets done. So we're going to start out in JV hockey, where there was only one game on the week, that being DRS and North Shore JV, which met in DRS's past Wednesday night, as the first part of the season's first doubleheader. Two of our key questions were answered from last weekend's show with uh, where Mo Fuchs was interviewed. Number one, Jack Tagerstein will be playing JV for North Shore for the foreseeable future, after being named captain early last week. 
Number two, the goaltending decision in DRS, at least for the first game of the season, was awarded to freshman phenom Jakey Friedman. Uh, for Jakey Friedman, the fond memories of winning the junior high championship on the very same court continued, as he and the Wildcats shut out the Stars to start off the season 7 to nothing. DRS jumped out to a 2-0 lead by the end of the first and kept pressing, barraging Jack Tagestine on the way to their win. Interestingly enough, it was seven goals from seven different DRS scores. Uh, the line of freshman Jason Shiowitz getting the start alongside sophomore Sammy Brew, each of whom planted one, while the Cats also received contributions from sophomore Shlomo Mansbach, Moshe Simon, and Sammy Bernstein, as well as freshman Oren Goldberg and Avi Greenberg. DRS, now 1-0, will play Mag and David Tuesday night. North Shore, now 0-1, will look to regroup in their home opener against Flatbush this Thursday night. Generally, we take a look at the standings after each weekly recap, but this week, with only the game that I just told you about, it seems kind of pointless. So, instead, we're going to segue right into the nightcap of that game, where the two teams met up in a showdown between two highly ranked Eastern Conference opponents. DRS jumped out early on a goal by junior Eitan Arie off a beautiful setup by senior Leo Rubin. Midway through the second, the Stars tied the game on a heads-up play by Jonas Spielman, swinging his stick at a loose ball in front of the net, beating Ari Guttenmacher. Unfortunately for the Stars, that would be the last bit of good news for them this game. Shortly thereafter, a Bailey Gresh's penalty led to a Leo Rubin power play goal from the point, putting DRS up 2-1. to one. In the third, Eitan Arie scored again, putting home the trash from right in front of North Shore netminder Ian Horn, playing in his first game since the 2013 JV quarterfinals to push the lead to two. David Sofer would add a goal in the closing moments in his first game at defense for the Cats to put the final score at 4-1. to one. DRS, now at 1-0, will next, just like their JV, play Mag and David this Tuesday night. Norshaw will look to regroup, playing SAR, and then following that up with a game against Flatbush later on in the week. That would be the only game played in the East, but out West there were two games, both involving the Kushner Cobras. We'll start off with the second game first, uh, as it's our game of the week, featuring Kushner, projected to be number two in the West, hosting Ramaz, slated to be right behind them at number three. Kushner busted out the gate strong with a power play goal by sophomore Ellie Sloan midway through the first. If you remember last week, Mo Fuchs talked about the extreme depth that Kushner now has, considering that they've removed their JV squad, now having sophomores playing for their varsity team. It's interesting to note that a sophomore scoring the first goal of the season, but is also on Kushner's power play, just shows exactly how deep this team can be and how far that they can run. A few minutes later, it was it was Ellie's older brother, Elon Sloan, putting home a beautiful feed from Ellie to push the lead to two to end the first. But as I say in hockey, a two-goal lead is the hardest to keep. In the second, Ramaz's Bradley Brecher deposited a pass from junior Jared Feingold into the net to cut the deficit to one. Fast forward to the final frame, say that ten times fast, uh, just about halfway through the period, Cam Valinsky connects with an assist from Adam Lasner to tie the game at two. Only two minutes later, though, Kushner defenseman junior Alec Rabinowitz took a full-court shot that beat Ramaz goalie Ben Emmerich, who faced nearly 60 shots on the night, to regain the lead 3-1. Elon Slonim would add an empty netter later on, marking his second of the game and his fifth of the year, as the other game in the West that week was a 12-1 Kushner romp over Heschel in their first game in the Yeshiva League. So Kushner, now 2-0 on the young season, will look ahead to MTA later this week. Ramaz, as I said, is playing right now against Flatbush, where I am.
while I'm here, but still there. Confused yet? Good. So am I. Also in action on Thursday night, MTA defeated JEC 6-1. to Ami Rosenfeld scored two goals for the Lions, Ezra Quint, Zev Markowitz, Gavriel Mayer, and David Boim also scored for MTA in their first win of the regular season. Well, that's it for hockey, though. Again, starting either next week or the week after, we'll run through the standings to give you a complete view of where everyone stands. For those of you looking for the rankings, this week's rankings will be given at the end of our show. Now, without further ado, we're going to switch over to basketball for the 2014-2015 season. Just as I did with Mo Fuchs last week, this week I sat down with Flappers JV and varsity basketball coach Avi Bornstein, a championship-winning coach extremely knowledgeable in his basketball coaching and a pleasure to chat with. Here's how it went. I'm here with the head coach of the Flatbush Falcons JV and varsity basketball team, Avi Bornstein. Thank you for joining me today, Avi. My pleasure. First off, as a fellow Flatbush transplant last year, with you coming over from Frisch uh, and me coming over from other places, I wanted to ask you about your experience last year taking a brand new team that had played a different style of basketball prior to your arrival. Well, I can say that it was a challenge coming over, a challenge not because of the uh, talent, and not because of the uh, school. It was a challenge coming into Brooklyn, <laughs> learning a uh, whole new environment, learning uh, the kids, uh, and learning a little bit about another side of the Jewish community that you're not easily exposed to uh, if you're working in a primarily Ashkenaz community. So it was a great uh, experience, and it was uh, interesting to learn how to interact with these children. Jumping around from the schools as I have, uh, coaching in Hank and coaching in a uh, in a middle school out in Queens where it's a mostly Ashkenaz community. The last year coming to Flatbush, I experienced the same thing, so I can absolutely relate. On to the matter at hand, which today is going to be our tw- the 2014-2015 JV and Varsity Basketball Preview. We're going to start off with Varsity. Varsity this year, uh, as last year, has two divisions with nine teams with the top six making the playoffs. Just to run down the division, starting off in the east, North Shore, Hafter, Flatbush, DRS, Yeshiva Darche Eres, or YDE, Hank, Mag and David, Derechatora, or YDH, and Ramba. So we're going to just run through each of the teams, give you a little bit of a preview, no real particular order. I, what I did was I did based on last year's finish. So nobody should think that what we're doing right now is a ranking of sorts. That's going to come later on in the show. So let's start off in the East. I wanted to jump right in and start talking about a few of the teams in turn. The biggest story in the offseason revolved around defending champion North Shore. Last year, the Stars capped off an undefeated season, coming back in the championship game to upend Ramaz. Uh, Game MVP Cody Cohen, as well as Josh Hecht and Ryan Paul, return. The big question, with Elliot Steinmetz now coaching the YU Max, how will things change for the Stars? And will this team be as potent, not only as it was last year, but as it was coming close to a JV championship two years ago? I'm going to say it's going to take a period of evaluation for me as an opposing coach to answer your question. I know that the coach who has taken over is very experienced and is a very skilled coach, but it doesn't mean that he's going to play the same style of ball that Elliot played. And certainly the personnel has had a major turnover because many of the stars, aside from Cody, uh, were seniors. So there's going to be a lot of transition But uh, the coach is a well-known, established, and talented uh, person. And uh, everyone in the league is expecting North Shore to be a top team. The coach that you are referring to, uh, North Shore's new coach, Edgar De La Rosa. Uh, Moving on to 
to the second big store in the offseason, at least out here in the East, Hafter. Last year finished second in the East, much like its hockey counterparts, also at 12-2. and two. They lose a decent chunk of their size and scoring due to graduation in the form of Ari Barretts and their perimeter play in uh, Alex Schoenfeld and Mark Spivak. But out of nowhere comes transfer of A.B. Perlau. Uh, Perlau was one of the three big men for DRSJV last season and instantly adds a presence down low to a team that sorely needed it, having only two other kids that are over six feet, uh, A.B. being 6'4". Exactly how much does having an, an A.B. Perlau change Hafter, and do they now have potentially enough to take over North Shore for the East Crown? Well, let me put it in context for you. Last year in the JV championship game, uh, our Flatbush uh, team went undefeated throughout the season, and we ended up playing undefeated DRS for the championship in YU. Perlau and Lafer were uh, extraordinary in that game, and their size and their ability completely dominated the game, so much so that DRS was able to beat a very competent, very skilled uh, Flatbush JV team by almost doubling the score. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had been running people out of the gym, and when we faced the 1-3-1 defense uh, with Lafer uh, up top and Perlau down low or vice versa, uh, we basically found ourselves being stymied. So now we have a situation where Hafter, led uh, by the always uh, very capable Joey Honig, has the addition of probably one of the top, if not the top big man in the league, coming into Hafter and turning a team around that was expected to have a medium-level year, turning them into a top contender. It's almost as if somebody uh, put Patrick Ewing all of a sudden on your team. Wow, heavy praise. That's how, uh, that's how good he is. We played them in the preseason, and he scored 21 points, again, points against us. We're a very good – our varsity, the Flappish varsity, is a very good defensive team. He scored 21 points against us, dominated the game. He scored from inside, outside. He had putbacks. Uh, he makes everybody on Hafter better, and he makes Hafter a serious contender. This happens to be the second week in a row where we're mentioning A.B. Perlau's name because people may remember back in elementary school, A.B. Perlau was also a supreme hockey star when he was in seventh grade. So this is not the first time where you hear of A.B. Perlau dominating an entire sports league, even as an underclassman. It also pays to note that in addition to facing you, they also took the Mag and David tournament beating, beating North Shore. Does this set the stage for North Shore having a little competition, getting back to the finals as that team did two years ago in JV? Well, we observed North Shore. I observed North Shore uh, scouting in the Mag and David tournament, and I did see some differences in the style of play uh, between what they played last year under Elliot Steinmetz and what they're playing this year. And essentially, they played what amounted to a 1-2-2 type of zone defense with a very long guard up top and then a box underneath the guard. That type of defense has its strengths. It has its weaknesses. Sometimes we play it too at at Flappers. We call it 12. And uh, in that particular case, the way they used Cody uh, did not match him up per se against Perlow. So it wasn't a man-on-man matchup, even though physically there are certain similarities. They're actually very different players Mm -hmm. because Cody is a slasher. Perlau is a legitimate pull-up shooter, but he's also a legitimate big man. Cody is a slasher. He's uh, dynamic. So they're different in their style of play. I don't expect them to necessarily match up. I don't expect either team to play man-to-man against each other, although, of course, you never know. And so I think that I would have to give North Shore a slight edge on depth, but Perlau evens out the game 
And so it's going to be a, uh, a toss-up when those two teams play each other. So maybe, according to you, the game in the Mac and Dave tournament preseason luck, so to speak? Uh, nothing to do with luck. It may have been that the teams were getting used to their personnel. It may have been that uh, the coaches were experimenting. I experimented in the uh, Mag and David tournament to mm-hmm. our detriment, and we lost a half to by 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in general, you can't really use a uh, tournament that uh, opens two weeks after you start practice as an indicator of anything other than general trends. Let's move on to something a little closer to home now. Last year, your Falcons went 8-6, and six, finishing third in the Eastern Division, won a thriller against Mag and David in overtime in the opening round of the varsity playoffs. Uh, how different is this year's team from last year's squad? There are several differences. First of all, one of the things that I try to do is to teach a certain style of play, and uh, the style of play that I teach was different than what the players were used to. So the players would tend to sometimes play that style of play and sometimes drift into the habits that they uh, had grown to learn. It's not a question of which is better, which is worse. It's a question of continuity and consistency. The essence of what I try to do is to space the court and to create a series of pick-and-roll plays, very similar to what uh, John Calipari does. That's the style that I try to emulate. I'm trying to constantly do two-on-one matchups in different ways. And the players from last year were not necessarily used to that, and so sometimes... It being their first year. It being their first year. For example, we played Heschel in the quarterfinal game in the playoffs, and we uh, practice and we teach spacing the court, and it's natural for a player to drift closer to the basket inside the three-point line into the paint. That's natural. That's what we did in the Heschel game. Had we spaced the court the way we were supposed to, we would have had a better opportunity to win the game. By being too close together, the Heschel players and their defense were able to defend better. It's easier to uh, defend two players closer to each other than two players further apart from each other. That's why spacing the court has become so popular. This year's team, having been through it last year, even though 10 seniors graduated, we only have five returning juniors. And even though we only have five uh, players coming up from the JV, a JV dominated by freshmen, I might add, for the most part, their um, familiarity with the concept of spacing and the type of uh, ball hawking that we try to teach uh, makes life much easier. So irrespective of the skill level, we have a nice skill level of the players, but irrespective of the skill level, we're going to press better, we're going to defend better, we're going to move the ball better, and we will probably have a hard time matching last year's record and still play better basketball. Talk about the step of a player like Albert Richter, how, uh, how he's made his way working from JV to varsity. Well, in order to do that, I have to sort of define for you how players get better. Players get better uh, from year to year and from JV to varsity in different degrees. The vast majority of players get better in accordance with their normal growth. They get bigger, they get older, they get slightly stronger, they play a little bit of ball in the summertime, they get slightly better. Those players get proportionately better. And then if you're fortunate, once or twice a year you have a player who through hard work or through skill set or maturity or growth in height, they become disproportionately better. That happens every once in a while. Uh, In the case of Albert Richter, Albert Richter has become disproportionately better. 
When he played for the JV, he was an undersized power forward. And when we had our uh, postseason discussion what he should work on, I discussed with him, you've got to work on your handle, which means you're dribbling. You've got to work on your outside shooting. And son of a gun, he comes into fall practice. He can dribble the ball. He can shoot the ball. He's grown a little bit physically. So Albert Richter has had a wonderful transition to varsity because he has worked on his skill set and no longer has to be an undersized power forward. Now he's a good-sized small forward. You were talking about how you retain only five of you, only five juniors for this year's team. Uh, of your, uh, sorry, five juniors who are now seniors. Of your seniors, uh, who is taking that leap into the go-to role uh, to replace a Joey Dayon or uh, Nathan Haddad? Well, before I answer, let me tell you that we did take seniors who had not made the team last year. So we have four seniors who didn't make the team last year who are on the team this year. Uh, the point guard, who is a uh, an excellent point guard and never really had the opportunity to show it because of uh, Diane and because of uh, Nathan Haddad from last year, who was an excellent player, is Bobby Sofer. Bobby Sofer, I think over the course of the year, is going to show himself to be a top three point guard in the league. He scored 29 points in that game against Hafter. He had eight three-pointers. He has the ability to... uh, to penetrate presses. He has the ability to handle the ball. He obviously has a good three-point shot. I think nobody ever heard of him, and he's going to be one of the surprises of the league. So he certainly uh, is a very big uh, step in the right direction for us in the backcourt. Moving on to a te- another team you faced this preseason, DRS. Uh, last year, a down year for the Wildcats, coming off of a varsity championship the season before, mustering only a 6-8 record and barely making the fifth seed, but having received an infusion of talent from last year's JV championship team, as you mentioned. Uh, I know that it was preseason. As you said, it's, it's a time where every coach focuses on his own players to determine what to work on, but the savvy coach also keeps an eye out for where his opponents stand, too. Can you share a bit about what you saw out of DRS in the preseason game? I consider DRS to be an outstanding team, to be one of the top three teams in the uh, Eastern Conference with North Shore and Hafter. Uh, I think we caught them on an off night. Uh, We had played uh, preseason before. We had played in the Mag and David tournament. They had not played yet in the preseason. And uh, because we had practiced a few more times than they had, we were a little bit better prepared just because of time. But uh, they have a lot of size. They have a lot of shooting. They have one of the uh, most skilled coaches in the league in uh, Avram Stein. And DRS is going to be a major factor in the East. We've discussed A.B. Perlow's addition to Hafter. But what does his departure mean to DRS? The departure means that instead of being assured of a Final Four position preseason, they're going to have to fight for it. They're going to have to earn it. Let's see if they can do it without A.B. Pearl. Speaking of other teams, they're going to have to earn their way. Hank and Mag and David will also be in the driver's seat for playoff spot this year. Uh, both teams coming off of a 5-9 and nine season with Mag and taking the final playoff spot and the Canes just missing out. I don't want to leave YDE out of the mix. I look at it in terms of groupings of teams. So I would say North Shore, Hafter, and DRS would be in what I call Group 1. They are the teams going into the season that are most likely going to take the 1, 2, 3 positions. Then you're going to have YDE, Hank, Magan, David, and Flatbush fighting for positions in Group 2. That's 4 and 3 is 7. One of those teams in the second group is most likely to fall out. So I would uh, 
characterize Flatbush, YDE, Hank, Mag, and David preseason equal, fighting for those positions. And it's going to be very interesting and a lot of fun. And so we will also have YDH and Rambam, who will have opportunities to contend for playoff spots. For either team, it may not be enough to get them over the hump. You're listening to The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network. We're here with Flatbush Varsity and JV Basketball Head Coach Avi Bornstein, working our way through the 2014-2015 Varsity Basketball Preview. We're going to work our way out west now. In the west, teams are Ramaz, SAR, Heschel, Frisch, TABC, Kushner, Hillel, MTA, and JEC. Same number of teams as the East, same playoff format as the East. Let's start talking with a group close to you, uh, the Frisch Cougars. Uh, last year, they finished 9-5 and five and a first-round exit and the graduation of superstar Justin Hode. But now the regrouping of a unit that two years ago took the top prize in JV. The seniors on this team, Tyler Hode, Benny Tuckman, and Andrew Levine, are joined by a phenomenal junior class led by Andrew Langer and Noah Schechter. This team is obviously one of the favorites. With all things being equal, though, should they be the favorites for a championship this year? I think Frisch is the favorite in the league and the number one seed in the league. In the West, of course, but in general, the number one seed in the league. Um, I know the players very well because I was the coach who won that JV championship with them. And uh, the talent and the basketball skill is phenomenal. Is there a player on that team that we're not thinking of that can step up? Well, the Finkel twins uh, are very good players. I think that uh, Levine really is going to be the unknown. You mentioned his name, but in fact, Levine didn't get to play much last year because right. they were so deep. Levine is a physical specimen, uh, formerly was a wrestler at Frisch, and has developed his physical capacity and his game to the point where he could be a serious, serious factor uh, at the big man. If he becomes the big man that I'm suspecting that he can be, then Frisch is definitely the favorite team in the league. Speaking of championship contenders, let's talk about last year's finalist, Ramaz. Uh, the Western Division champions last year finishing 13-1, and but a majority of the team stars gutted due to graduation, including Jamie Capel and Dan Burke. Ramaz is not a lock to make a return trip. Uh, granted, Sammy Merkin came out in the opening uh, game of the Mag and David tournament and threw down close to 30 points. But on the other hand, it was against Derek Hattora. So which is the real Ramaz team this season? Ramaz is one of those teams that could seriously surprise people. Uh, when uh, Frisch won that JV championship two years ago, it had to play Ramaz in the semifinals and barely got by. Uh, we had a game that year when uh, Merkin was only a freshman, when we played a game in Ramaz, and he must have hit, I don't know, eight or ten points in overtime. Mm-hmm. And Frisch barely won that game. So the backcourt play, Tauber, I think his name is, and uh, Merkin, Definitely as good as any backcourt in the league. Uh, everybody knows that Randy Delney is one of the top coaches in the league and has won um, countless uh, championships, boys and girls side. And the Ramaz teams have a certain attitude and toughness. That alone is worth five points a game. When you go into Ramaz, it is as good a home court advantage as there is in the Yeshiva League. And they know how to exploit it. Are there any of the seniors who did not get a chance last year due to the extreme depth that they had that will come out and play a factor for them this year? I have to demur on that and say I haven't seen Ramaz yet this year, so I'll wait on that one. So let's move on to the Cinderella story of last year, the Heschel Heat. Uh, the Heat surprised everyone by jumping out of the gate strong, winning last year's Mag and David tournament and making a run to the Yeshiva League semis. While this year they're not going to be sneaking up on anyone, but with the Gindies and Kenny Storch and eight of the ten main contributors gone, 
Is it possible that this group won't be anywhere close to where they were last year? Well, it depends on how you classify anywhere close. Heschel has uh, a coaching staff that uh, emphasizes a certain type of aggressiveness and a certain type of uh, streetball style. Not streetball in a negative way. Mm -hmm. Streetball in a tough, aggressive way that is very hard to match in the Yeshiva League. And as a result, uh, they have good players, but they have young players. They have brought up three or four players from the JV who are sophomores. So they're going to be young. In the first half of the year, tradition holds that the young players take time to develop. By the time you get to playoff time, I think Heschel's going to be a serious threat because those sophomores will really be juniors. Correct. One of those sophomores that you mentioned, uh, Ben Schwartzman, who was a very big factor for them in the JV League yes. last year and their, and their solid run. Just a name to watch out for. Though. He should be a main contributor for a squad to complement their senior leaders, Jonathan Granowitz and Sam Lipman. And it's also a question of style because uh, most of the teams in the Yeshiva League don't play run and gun. Heschel plays run and gun. Every once in a while, you'll hear their famous coach, uh, Coach Pickman, Evan Pickman, yell out, 14, 14. 14 means full court press, and he kind of slips it out on you when you're not expecting it. He does uh, different things all the time to mix it up, and that gives Heschel a huge opportunity to be in every single game all the time. Speaking of another team that lost its major presence, let's go with TABC. Last year, 9-5 and five in the regular season, but almost pulled off the upset of the playoffs nearly knocking out that North Shore team in North Shore after being down by 22 at one point, but now find themselves without big man Yeshua Zerman and floor general Alex Hurt. But they do return solo Shulman, Moshe Brum, and Daniel Poleoff, and may have a formidable big man replacement in dual sports star Shuina Or. Is it easy enough for them to replace one big man with another, or is Yeshua Zerman one of those players that just isn't replaceable right away? One name has not been mentioned, and that's a player coming up from the JV. Ty Gersberg? Yes. Ty Gersberg is probably the most talented junior in the entire Yeshiva League. Mm -hmm. And on the JV level, uh, for any team that played them man-to-man, he was unstoppable. And even against zones, he was very difficult to guard. So you have to emphasize that in the Yeshiva League, it's a guard-oriented league. And when you have three of the top eight guards in the league on one team, Mm -hmm. TABC is a very dangerous team, and Frisch better be very, very careful in how they deal with TABC. Them, along with SAR, Hillel, MTA, JEC, and Kush, should vie for the playoff spots as well. The Sting return a good senior core to complement a group of juniors that uh, fell to you in last year's JV semis. Hillel returns last year's league leader in points per game, Nathan Beebe, who averaged over 20 per contest. I think JEC is going to be a serious competitor. Really? Yes, because if you recall, I uh, mentioned that backcourt play keys... Uh, the play in the Yeshiva League, JEC, has a tremendous backcourt in the two Shulman twins mm-hmm. uh, who come up from the JV, and they have another player, I think his name is Shapiro, and between the three of them, they have uh, three top-notch guards, they have good front court men, and as they gel through the course of the season, look for JEC to creep into that last spot. Once again, you're listening to The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network. We're here with Flatbush Varsity and JV basketball head coach Avi Bornstein, working our way through the 2014-2015 Varsity and JV basketball previews. We're going to move over to JV now. With JV, uh, there's, going to, there's a change-up from last year. Last year, we had four divisions of teams. This year, we're having two divisions with ten teams in each conference, six of them making the playoffs, as opposed to last year's conference uh, alignment where you had some, team, some conferences with six teams, some with five teams, 
and you had the entire East with eight teams making the playoffs and the West with six teams making the playoffs. So it's good to see that it's all uniform now. Start out in the East, starting out with the, at the top with last year's championship participants, both playing in the same conference now, Flappers and DRS. Uh, in addition to playing DRS Varsity, you also went up against DRS JV and pretty much dominated them, 49-25. But aside from the obvious removal of the advancing sophomores from last year to Varsity, what's the difference between this year and last year for both squads? And who are you guys hanging your hat on to step up this season? Pointing to DRS, DRS uh, lost most of their sophomores to the varsity. Mm-hmm. We know about A.B. Perlow who went to uh, to Hafter. Flatbush was a freshman-dominated team. Most of those guys have become sophomores now. Uh, unfortunately, last week, one of the dominant Flatbush players, Jackie Michon, tore his ACL and is out for the season. That changes the uh, dynamic at Flatbush, but we nevertheless at Flatbush are uh, confident that we're going to be competing for the playoffs and for a top spot. So with Michon down, who steps up now to that role? We have uh, other dominant players. We have A.B. Rosal, who's the starting center power forward, who's uh, definitely one of the top three players in the Yeshiva League. Mm-hmm. We have one of the best guards in the league in Kevin Haddad. We have one of the best point guards in the league in uh, Louis Zarif. We have one of the best uh, power forwards in the league in uh, Yoel Goldberg. We have uh, other good people who are going to step up and hopefully fill in the missing spot of Mashan. It's very hard to make up. A guy like Mashan, just to give you an idea of what we're talking about, Mashan was at the point where on fast breaks he was dunking with two hands. Wow. At the JV level. He was hitting threes. He was uh, defending. He was rebounding. And in that DRS JV game you referred to, uh, he was just completely dominant against very good players. But uh, we at Flatbush uh, still feel confident that we're going to compete for, uh, hopefully, a Final Four position. Now, given how the divisions were last year, putting together a preview based on what was done last season, because they were in different divisions, can be incredibly hard. So we're going to break it down by last year's divisions and work off of that. Uh, The Long Island division had Hafter, Hank, Rambam, North Shore, and Ezra running there two through six. What do these teams have to offer this year? Well, my impression is that Hafter is going to be a very strong team in the East. Uh, They have a very good opportunity to be a Final Four contender. Uh, They're very well coached, Michael Bausk. And um, they have several people who can really play well and have a history of playing well and look for Hafter to be a major contender. Now for a division a little closer to home to you, uh, the Brooklyn division from last year. It had YDE, Shari Torah, Magan David, and the two departed teams, Orha Torah and Leif Bonham. Uh, of the teams that remain, YDE, Shari, and Magan David, which team stands out to you as being potentially a threat this year? And is there any one that people might be sleeping on? Well, I think Magan David this year will be considerably stronger than last year. The other teams I really can't comment on. I haven't seen them yet. I will say that one of the things that ha- occurred is that Shari Tower had a very good sophomore, uh, and in order to play varsity ball, he transferred to the YDE varsity. I think his name is Cohen. I'm not sure. And he is going to significantly improve their varsity. Shari Tower, uh, not having a varsity, could play juniors. Mm-hmm. So had he stayed as a junior, Shari Tower would have been a dominant JV. So that's a big loss for Shari Torah. Still, Shari Torah uh, should be very competitive this year. I'm expecting North Shore to be much improved this year. 
and very competitive. I've spoken with their head coach, who's a good friend, and he's expecting them to have a significantly better record than last year. So uh, North Shore should be a good team. Ezra, I don't know. Rambam, I don't know. Magan David, as I mentioned, will be better. Uh, YDE, I haven't seen their personnel yet. I, I would suggest that the top teams in the division are likely to be Flatbush, Hafter, North Shore, and then you're going to have several teams competing, competing for the final three positions. Now, last week, when, well, that's interesting to get to that. Last week when talking about hockey, the question was asked about the role that the scheduling plays and its effects on the playoffs. Do we have any similar issues here where the scheduling may take a more talented team and push them to the outside of the playoffs while a lesser team could sneak in due to an easier schedule? Well, that happens all the time. It's true on this level. On the JV level, it's true on the varsity level. It's also true that um, many of the coaches want to play doubleheaders, JV, varsity, so sometimes teams have to play more games than they want to because of that. Uh, Some of the schools, for example, if you have a school that doesn't play on Hanukkah or if you have a school that takes a long break over Thanksgiving, they're basically forced to compress their schedules into much shorter times. Schools like that may have to play back-to-back games several times. All of the coaches hate back-to-back games. I can tell you that at Flatbush, we have one day where we're playing four games in a row. And it just works out that way. Flatbush does not play any games at all in January. And as a result, we have to cram the entire schedule uh, into the season by December 31st. There's one game being played at uh, the end of January, which is allowed, but other than that, it results in a very cramped schedule. Now, that's true for many of the schools. A lot of the schools don't allow playing on Hanukkah, so that is a major factor in cramming and jamming up the schedule. As to the, ga- as to the schedules that each individual team has themselves, will that play a role in it as well? It always plays a role. If you have teams that are relatively even and they have to play teams that are more difficult you look at the number of teams that are more difficult and you see how it evens out. I, I find the uh, yeshiva league alignment, both on the JV and the varsity level, to be very similar to the NFL. If a team has success, the NFL skews the schedule so that they have to play stronger teams from the year before. The yeshiva league does the same thing. One of the experiences in the NFL is that the Super Bowl winning team in most years doesn't even make the playoffs. Now, that's not true in the Yeshiva League, but the winning team very often has a hard time making the playoffs because the schedule is skewed in favor of the other teams, and I believe it should be. As we saw last week with <clears throat> schools like Hafter, who had a very dominant hockey season last year, Hafter's, uh, J- Hafter's varsity and their JV as well are going to be hit with one of the tougher schedules, and for Hafter's JV, it could force them into a lesser playoff spot, if not playoff spot at all. Is there any one team or two teams that you can look through the schedule and say, this team is one that I would peg in that role? Well, I can look at the varsity level. I know that Heschel and Flatbush are the two teams that had good records last year and have, uh, I think, the two most difficult schedules on the varsity level. On the JV level, um, it pretty much evens out as far as I can tell. But I, I want to add something on, on the competitive side. It's true that some teams are going to have more difficult um, schedules than others, and uh, being one of those coaches who thinks that he has such a more difficult schedule, I'm whining like everybody else. But the reality is you got to play who you play. Right. That's what it boils down to. you got to play who you're assigned to play, 
and you have to win the games you're supposed to win, and that's what sports is all about. Right. I, I always say if you draw on the luck of the schedule, you're not really considering yourself a good team because you're, you're afraid of a team that you think may be better than you. A hundred percent well said. So let's move over to the West now. Uh, it appears that the biggest challenges are going to come out of the JV West. Uh, take me through these teams. Uh, let's start off with SAR. Last year's New York City Division champions. This year, led by big man Dovi Marcus, proved to be a formidable challenge to your Flatbush squad in preseason. It's October. Are they a team to be worried about come February and March? I would suggest that the three top JV teams, are, two of them are in the West, SAR, and um, Frisch and Flappish being the third. I still rank those three teams mm-hmm. as the top three teams in the JV level. SAR is an excellent team. Um, Frisch, as I mentioned, is an excellent team. I would look for MTA to surprise a lot of people. They have people transferring into the school from outside, and uh, MTA is overdue for a good team, and they've got a good JV, so watch out, league. Can you elaborate on both Frisch and uh, MTA just to give our listeners a sense of who we should be looking for, the names we should be looking for this year? Uh, I can't give you names off the top of my head. I can tell you that uh, there is an interesting development in terms of yeshiva basketball, if I may offer this. Yeshiva basketball has broken down into what I consider to be four groupings of talent pools. The four groupings of talent pools, as I see them, are the Long Island grouping, where you have very strong Jewish basketball in the south shore of Long Island. You have the Sephardic community, which divides itself up among YDE, Mag and David, Flapper, Torah, and so on. You have the New York community, which is SAR, uh, Ramaz, and uh, Heschel. And then you have the... um, the Bergen County community, I think that makes four. Did I mention four? There's Bergen County. Yeah. There's very similar, very similar to the, to the, to the uh, divisions that we had last year. Yes, the Sephardic community and the New York community. The Bergen County community, in my estimation, is the strongest basketball community in the United States. Bergen County has extremely well-developed youth basketball. They have extremely well-organized elementary schools, uh, Yavne, Noah, Mariah, and so on. Those are the feeder schools for the Frishes and the TABCs, and they are going to be strong for years to come. Well, it seems like there's something in common, because those are the same three teams you see at the top of the the hockey league every year as well. There's no question about it. Population is also a very important factor. Frisch has a large student population. TABC has a large and growing student population. And uh, the basic Ramaz does too, by the way. Uh, and the result is that that is the strongest environment for Jewish basketball, I think, in the entire United States. Which is great, because you've probably answered my next question. We're going to go on to two teams, TABC and Heschel, both divisional runners-up last year. TABC formerly led by Ty Gersberg, as you mentioned, and Shuana Orr in the New Jersey division, now Mo Proctor, and Heschel formerly manned by Ben Schwartzman in the New York City division. Which of these teams has a better chance to come close to last year's success? I would think that it's Heschel. We had a scrimmage, a non-game scrimmage against Heschel, and uh, while we did, that was the uh, the scrimmage in which uh, Jackie Michon in the first two minutes tore his ACL. But we still played five periods, and uh, we had the opportunity. We won four out of the five periods without Jackie, uh, and yet they were tough competition. They were very well coached. Uh, they have a lot of talent. 
couple of their best players didn't suit up for this game, so uh, for the scrimmage. So if you put it all together, I think Heschel is going to surprise people in the JV Western Conference. Well, what does that mean for TABC in that sense? I think TABC is not at that level. I think you're going to have the, your top teams are Frisch and SAR, and uh, your next teams are going to be Heschel and most likely Ramaz and MTA. Okay, so you've answered my question about the remainder of the teams as well, so I'm very happy to get through that. Obviously, we had JEC and Hillel, two teams who fought neck-and-neck for the final playoff spot in the New Jersey division, Ramaz and MTA, both of whom had uncharacteristically down years in the New York City division, and Kushner and Westchester, who both rounded out the bottom of their divisions, respectively. Yes. So... You've already mentioned MTA, and you've gone through some of the others. Is there one name in those schools that we just mentioned that we aren't thinking of yet or that the listeners may not know to look at? In the Western Conference or in the Eastern Conference? In the West. In the West? Because of those five, one team needs to make the playoffs. So who's going to sneak in? So let's round it off. I think Frisch will be number one, SAR number two, or SAR number one, Frisch number two. Mm -hmm. I think you've got... uh, MTA as number three, Ramaz as number four, or those two teams can reverse with Heschel, I'm sorry. So that's five. And um, I would look for JEC. I think JEC has some sleeper players who are coming into the school. JEC is having a revival as a school. They've had their largest uh, entering class in many years. They've changed the administration there. They're looking to not only strengthen the school in the academic level, on the Yiddishkeit level, but also in the athletic club. Again, I just want to say thank you very much for uh, for coming today. Thank you very much for this interview, and have a great season, Coach. Thank you very much. I hope to see you soon. Once again, you're listening to The Court Report right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg. A huge thank you to Flopper's Falcons JV and Varsity head basketball coach Avi Bornstein, very respected voice in the Shiva League basketball community and a complete pleasure to talk with. So now, two weeks into this one-hour-long format, we've been able to interview two great head coaches. One, last week, Mo Fuchs, for our hockey uh, season preview. And this week, we interviewed Avi Bornstein for our basketball season preview. If there's anybody that you would like us to interview for any particular reason, or if you would like us to interview you for any particular reason, please let me know. Again, you can reach me on Twitter or on Facebook, and hopefully some point soon you'll be able to reach me by email also. Uh, for the future, obviously not now, my email address is elliot at nachumsiegel.com. But for now, just stick to the other two because that's not working at the moment. Right now, we are going to go to the first basketball recap of the regular season. Two games were played this week, and a third will be played tonight, at least as far as we know. Uh, if anybody else has anyone they know of, please let me know. Thursday night, Derek Hattor and Rambam got together. Game went back and forth with Rambam putting together a lead late in the third quarter. But Derek Hattor came back in the fourth, took the lead back. Game was tied at three with a minute to go. Derek Hattor pulled it out. Final score, 61-53. to Interesting part about this game. Adam Matovich and Maurice Amar combined for 57 points for Derek Hattora. Uh Let's go a little further in that. 42 of them were from Matovich himself. Adam Matovich, a sophomore transfer from MTA, comes in, sets a season high already for 42. That's going to be difficult to top. In the other game that was played that night, Nathan Beebe and Hillel defeated Kushner. So Beebe, last year's uh, leading point scorer, already on the heels of a sophomore 
to uh, to get back to his crown this season. Tonight, Hank and Rambam are going to play in Rambam. Last night, Hank played a scrimmage versus Slapper, so they're coming off a a very busy weekend and look to pull out a win against the Ravens, who are now reeling after losing to Derek Torah, as we said, on Thursday night. I must say, seeing sophomores contributing like this in varsity leagues, as we've seen tonight with Matovic for Derek Torah in basketball and Slonim for hockey, uh, for Kushner in hockey, it's very refreshing to see underclassmen really starting to take a prominent role on varsity-only squads and showing that they're not just suited for JV, as this was a couple of years back before the JV league started. Sophomores, juniors, freshmen even played with the varsity boys, and it's good to see that they can still hang with them. As I said last week, this week's show, we're going to be releasing one of our new segments. Uh, last year, as I said last week, last year, I did, I ended off each show with the Words to the Wise segment. This year, I'm going to do things a little differently because I was asked to expound on a lot of the quotes that I gave. So this year, I've decided to have a whole segment surrounding the quotes. And over the summer, as I mentioned last week, I read They Call Me Coach by John Wooden and in searching for one or two quotes, I found 10, 12, 15, and I'd like to share as many as I can with you because I think they are all very relevant to playing and coaching sports alike. Uh, so this one quote that I found, and I actually read through again this past weekend, I thought it was very, very, very telling, especially as we start a regular season, uh, to how not to be satisfied with what you've done in the past. Uh, the quote is, remember this, you are a lifetime through. Tomorrow there will be more to do. And failure waits for all those who stay with some success made yesterday. Tomorrow you must try once more and even harder than before. As a coach, to me that means that you can't rest on what you've done already because what you've done will not help you in future in future games. If you've won a championship already, you, got, you, you can be happy that you've won a championship. But you shouldn't rest on that to carry you through an entire regular season coming up. So if you're an underclassman who's won in JV, you can't rest on the fact that you've already won and been successful to show that you will be successful. If you don't keep working like everybody else is doing, because everybody else is working to beat you. They they see they they see they put a target on your back, and you become the guy that they're building to beat. So if you stay in the same place while they're moving... They're going to pass you, and it, it's not worth it to to rest on what you've done. As I've oftentimes uh, quoted to my teams, even before reading the book, I've had a saying, if you live in the past, for you there is no future. So remember that. Uh, just keep working to make yourself better, because everybody else is looking to make themselves better than you. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be releasing a few more quotes that really resonated with me. Last year, I would spread it around from different people. I think for the next few weeks, though, I'm going to stick with John Wooden, because the book really gave me a handful of material, and I think I'd really like to share it with you and to share John Wooden's philosophies with everyone. The book resonated with me on such a high level as both a coach and a player that I, I just think it's important for everyone to hear what he has to say. With only a few minutes left in this week's show, I want to make mention of what we plan to do next week here on The Court Report. So last week we covered boys hockey. Uh, this week we covered boys basketball. Last year, with the show being only a half hour, 
one of the uh, areas in the Yeshiva League that really didn't get much coverage was girls' sports. Unfortunately, the time crunch forced the girls' sports to take a backseat on the show. But this year, with a full hour, I'd like them to take a more prominent role equal to the coverage of the boys' leagues. Next week, though, we're going to have a roundtable. Hopefully, we're going to have a roundtable panel discussion on girls' sports, the growth of girls' sports, how to keep girls' sports growing, and how schools have dealt with the the challenges of creating sports for girls in the yeshiva environment. So that'll hopefully take place sometime over the next week and will be recorded for you next week right here on The Court Report. Again, if anyone can help us out by giving us a schedule for this coming week or by allowing us to know for any tournaments coming up for the future, please do so. A couple of weeks from now, we're going to be interviewing Josh Kahane from the Cooper Memphis tournament last year. Josh was supposed to be my very first uh, uh, guest. Unfortunately, that did not pan out. This year, we're going to have him back, and this hour-long show, we're going to have a lot of fun talking to him about the upcoming Cooper Memphis tournament. If you go onto their website, cooperinvitational.com, that's www.cooperinvitational.com, you can take a look at the teams and also look at a video of their selection show, which last year was massively done a la CBS's March Madness uh, preview. Uh, they put out one almost similarly, and this year they did the same. So go onto the site, take a look, get all your information for the Cooper Tournament. The dates for that are next, not this coming week, but again next week, November 6th through November 9th, 2014. Just taking a look at the field, it seems as if there will be five Yeshiva League teams attending. Those five, the Frisch Cougars, the Hafter Hawks, the Hillel Heat, the North Shore Stars, and the Torah Academy of Bergen County Storm. So we look forward to seeing how our boys do down in Memphis. That just about does it for our show today. Again, I'd like to thank... Flatbush JV and Varsity Head Basketball Coach Avi Bornstein for sitting down with me and talking me through the JV and Varsity Basketball Preview for the 2014-2015 season. I'd also like to thank Matis Weingast for having me on JM Sunday this morning to talk about this episode as well as what we have in store for our regular season. If you missed any part of this or any episode this season, you can catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., or you can find The Court Report on iTunes or the Nachum Siegel Network app on just about any smartphone. Tomorrow morning, JM in the AM with Nachum Siegel from 6 to 9 AM, live on the stream, NachumSiegel.com, or on your radio, 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, 91.9 FM, Rockland County. For more of me, you can hear me every Tuesday morning, starting this Tuesday morning on JM in the AM at around 7.20 with a Tuesday morning JM in the AM sports update. If you haven't visited the Court Report fan page on Facebook, please do so and click the Like tab. Let's get that number up. Again, if you have any results or uh, recaps for this coming week, please send them to me. Uh, you can reach me uh, by Twitter, by by Facebook. Just let me know about it so we can include it in next week's report, please, so we can make it as complete as possible. See you next week right here on the Court Report, only on the Nachum Siegel Network. Hi, this is Elliot Weiselberg, host of The Court Report. 
Stay tuned for more amazing musical selections and programming only on the Nachum Siegel Network. NachumSiegel.com.